Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 52. My name is Damian Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. Now, normally I would be telling you right here to head over to rootlessliving.com, grab your free digital subscription, but what I want to do is talk about that this is episode 52. We have done an episode every week for a year now, and I couldn't be more excited. It's been amazing. And I have like a, an amazing lineup of guests that I feel like I'll be able to pull from coming into year two. But today's episode is actually really kind of special. And I want to say something before I introduce Natasha that I hope makes sense to a lot of people. Natasha has a French accent. And in the beginning, it's it's pretty thick. <laughs> Maybe she was just speaking French or something to that effect. But like any accents, you kind of start to be able to kind of hear through it. And for a lot of people, that can be a turnoff. But there's so much in this episode that I encourage you, if for some reason accents kind of turn you off and you're like, oh, I can't really understand, and you tune out, I would ask you to hang out and tune in because it's an, actually an amazing episode. And Natasha, who has been able to work and live in 60 countries and did a big portion of it solo, but like always, before I say too much, let's get into this episode. All right. With that, I want to welcome Natasha to the show. Natasha, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, Damien, for inviting me to this show. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Now, normally this is where I kind of ask people getting the hint of full-time and part-time. And we usually go into this like RV conversation, but there isn't going to mm -hmm. be an RV conversation today, which is really great because digital nomad doesn't just mean you live in an RV. So, so how long have you been, would you consider yourself a digital nomad? I have been a digital nomad for six years already. And is it like full-time, part-time? How much time do you spend traveling? It's more part-time because we have, a, we have a place in Spain where we usually go back to for the summer. And at least each winter we are out. And then like during the part of spring, summer, autumn, we are also traveling, but always going back to Spain. And in winter, we go to a warmer place. For some people, Spain is already warm, but for us, we like to go warmer place. So either Asia or South America. In the next week, we will probably go to Brazil. So this year, it will be South America. Nice. And does Spain have rules like how much time you can be away? I know a lot of countries where... There's like a, a six month kind of limit of how long you can be gone and out of country. Does Spain have those same rules? Well, <laughs> to be honest here, <laughs> I'm not someone who is like very like super precise with the rules. Uh, I pay my taxes and I have never had problems here. So I think like, I don't think they really care how long you're away. I think the most important is like where you're paying your taxes and where you're registered. And I'm basically registered in Spain. So as long as I pay, they don't bother with those kind of rules. Gotcha. Yeah. I always find it funny when I talk to people that say they're in you know, Canada and they say they can only be gone for six months. Yeah. And, and I'm like, who's, who's counting? Because you, you, you drive over the border. It's not like you get a piece of paper that's stamped and you have to bring it back and I'm like, it's a funny thing to me. Yeah, it's like an honor system, which is good. I mean, I think it is good to have an honor system if that's the rules. So let's go back to before you kind of started digital nomading. Where were you living? What did your life kind of look like? And, you know, what brought on the idea of 
spending a good amount of the year traveling. Mm-hmm. So I like I left France ten years ago. Well, you're almost eleven, eleven now. And at that time, I didn't started being a digital nomad from the beginning. I I had studied, so I went to study in other countries, and I went to work in Germany. And that's where I had like the normal job, my what I thought was my dream job, export manager. Right after college, I was very happy. After three months, I was bored. <laughs> I'm kind of an adventurer, and at like after one year working there, uh, I went to the cinema. And just before going to the cinema, I was with the friend uh, I was going to the cinema with, and he told me I'm going to New Zealand and I'm going to do a work and travel. And I was like, at that time when he told me, I was very jealous. Uh, and then during the whole movie. I thought, okay, like, why I'm jealous? Why I cannot do it myself? Why I think, oh, it's like, it's great for him to do it. And why I think I cannot do it. And that's like those one and a half hour or two hours. I don't remember the movie. I, I thought about it. And at the end of the movie, it, okay, it was decided. I was going to leave, uh, quit my job and to travel uh, around the world. So that's how I started all this. But um, of course, I didn't quit my job the next day. I I, I worked for some months more, knowing that I will quit, and I gave my uh, resignation, and I uh, quit uh, one year later. And then I traveled around the world. But at that time, I didn't think I didn't think that I could do it uh, permanently. I, I thought that this was like just a one year gap, and I will go back to my life. I knew that it would be difficult after having so so much freedom to go back. But I thought, yeah. I cannot be, I cannot just travel around the world. At that time, I was using my savings. I thought this is the only way to go. I thought you have to be a web developer or something very tech to do this. And so that's why after this year of traveling around the world, I got another job, normal job. But that time after three days, I said, no, I cannot. I didn't have such freedom to uh, get it like taken away again. And that's how I started to become a digital nomad. I, I was in China at that time and I became a French teacher online, which is something I always wanted to do, teaching. And, but I thought like, yeah, this is like not bringing enough money. Why do this? Anyway, like what the society <laughs> is telling us to focus on how much money we make per year. But I, I did this, I started doing this, and this is what started me uh, to be able to, to have this freedom. Now, I, this is not what I'm doing. Now I'm life coaching, but this was, this was the first step. This was what enabled me to travel. Then I got uh, my daughter, and I could travel again like with her without problems because I could teach anywhere. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter if I was in Spain or if I was in Thailand by the pool with her, it didn't matter at all. So that's how I, I started becoming a digital nomad. That's amazing. I think a lot of people do start with the idea of it being a gap where they'll, yeah. they'll save up money. Um, maybe some of the jobs they can do when they go, especially in the RV lifestyle, people will look at work camping where they'll be at a campground and they can earn a little money or not pay rent and figure it out. But then they figure out really quickly that that's, that's a job and it's a job that has a lot of time constraints. And 
once you do figure out a way to make money where it's not bound to like nine to five or nine to six or checking in with a boss, it's really different. It really frees you. Now you said you had a daughter. Did you have a daughter while traveling or did you take some time off? Like, I think that was interesting. You said you were six years ago, but I believe I remember you saying you have a daughter that's like two and a half yeah that's true um no i i traveled alone at that time i traveled around the world uh, alone i did a lot of hitchhiking um like in africa south america europe and asia and then also when i was in china when i started to become a digital nomad i i was um i wasn't a mother i became like uh, I had my daughter when I was already back in Europe. Okay. Uh, it was not planned, but and it's, it's funny because when I did, when I told my parents that I will go travel around the world for one year, I told them, yeah, that's the perfect. My mother was telling me, this is not a good time. There is a crisis. You will not find a job when you're back, whatever. And I told her, that's the perfect time. Now I don't have kids. I don't have a partner. That's the perfect time to do it now. So that's after. Uh, I will not be able to do it. And now I have a daughter and she has visited uh, already 10 countries and it's possible even as a, as a family. So it's, it's funny, all the blocks that we have in our heads, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I will mention a block in my head. You're telling me you're a, you're a female, you're alone, you're traveling the country and you're hitchhiking. And there's a moment, you know, I, I'm a very large man. I'm like almost six foot seven. I'm like 280 pounds. I don't know if that translates really, but I, even I worry about hitchhiking, but obviously this wasn't an issue for a lot of years in the United States. People hitchhiked like all the way up until the seventies all the time. How is that in other countries? Did you feel really safe with your traveling, traveling solo? Yeah, I I had the same um, like views or opinions on hitchhiking as you before doing it, and in fact, I didn't I hadn't planned doing it. Uh, what happened is that one day I had crossed the border between South Africa and Namibia, and the next morning I had crossed by bus, and the next morning I thought, okay, I will take another bus to go to my destination, which was a canyon that I wanted to visit. And uh, I asked at the petrol station, okay, where is, when is the next bus going there? And she says, I know there is no bus, only the bus is going to the township. Uh, No bus going there. Like, you have to hitchhike. This is how we do here. I was like, okay. (laughs) She says, you go to this road and you hitchhike and that's it. So, well, (laughs) I had no other choice. So that's what I did. And I had like, I I think I hitchhiked. In South America, I hitchhiked, I continued only in South America, but there I did more than 5,000 kilometers uh, without problems. And I had only two, no, no, just one problem each while hitchhiking. So, and it was in Europe, it was in Poland. So, but like one, one problem, which could be like an awful story, it didn't turn out to be an awful story. Uh, so it's, it's fine. It, it can happen. And each time. I say this to people from Argentina or South America. They tell me like, what, you started hitchhiking in South America in Argentina? We think it's a very <laughs> dangerous country. But, but yeah, I did it and it was amazing for me. It helped me, in fact, like know other people better and learn the language because I had one year of Spanish at school. And because I'm French, it's not that different. 
but still, so that's how I learned. Like people were who were taking me for hitchhiking, they didn't speak English. So I had no other way to speak to them than speaking Spanish. And it, yeah, it made me like meet so many amazing people, like very different. And in fact, when in countries like Bolivia and Peru, it's not very common. At the end, basically, they ask you to pay uh, for the trip after waiting for someone to take you. So like there you just uh, take buses and and I missed it when I didn't do it. I was missing like the contact with the, the real contact, you know, with the population, not like superficial contact that you could have when you're traveling other ways. That's really interesting. It reminded me of a story when I was probably in my 30s and I needed to get something from my local hardware store and I decided to walk. And, you know, this is Los Angeles, like where nobody walks. And I remember I got offered like two or three rides. Like people thought, you know, I thought this is so weird. Like I'm walking on purpose. You know, it's not because there's something wrong. It wasn't even a long walk. It was funny. And I have heard about that in other countries when they see people, especially on roads. And you know that this is a road to get from a town to a town. That a lot of times, even when you're not like with a thumb out or trying to solicit hitchhiking, people will pull over and ask you if you need a ride. And it just was interesting when you said it. How many uh, languages do you actually speak or do you feel that you're comfortable in speaking? Yeah, six. Six languages. Wow. That's almost six more than me. <laughs> I, I, I don't really do English that well. So that is amazing. Was that the case before you started digital nomading did you have multiple languages before you left yes and no so in france when we are at school you have to learn two uh, foreign language and languages so it was english and german but they were not as good as they are now and i basically i studied in the u.s i studied in hong kong and i worked in germany and the uk so that's where i like improved those two languages and then Spanish, as I said, it was on the on the road in South America. And then I have Chinese that I learned in college. And then I learned even more when I was in China. And Portuguese because my like partner is Brazilian. So Portuguese and he speaks Portuguese with our daughter. Wow, that's amazing. I love it. I love hearing that. I, I get so jealous that I only speak one language and you know, my kids, their, their mother is Mexican and she didn't grow mm-hmm. up speaking Spanish though. You know, they just kind of took it out of the, the household. So I was really kind of bummed that, you know, cause I, I always kind of felt that way that, you know, if I marry someone outside of my own race and there's a different language, I really hope I get to learn the, uh, the other language. And I have never lived anywhere where the language is in English. And so I've never had a chance. And I've had friends that have done these amazing, like one year, two year trips And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how difficult the language is, whether it's like, you know, Chinese or Japanese, which are probably one of the two hardest to learn, they become really fluent because they're, you you have no choice. You know, (laughs) I think we, I think we as Americans that go to a lot of like European cities or, you know, to, to Italy and, and all these different areas, English is somewhat of a secondary language. So most people have learned English so they can communicate with us, but then you can go into areas where English is absolutely not a, a language that's used and you really have no choice. Now, when it comes to traveling, are you 
are you like going like hotel to hotel, Airbnb to Airbnb? Uh, is it mostly flying? Like, how are you traveling? Do you, how long do you stay? Like, I'm really interested in kind of, you know, what your normal kind of travel looks like. Um, so it really, it really depends. It really depends. But now since we have our, like, yeah, again, it depends. Like the first, first year when we were traveling with our daughter, we did mostly Airbnb or vacation rentals, uh, because yeah, it was safer. And especially in Asia, it's like, you get great deals where you have like the pool and everything. So it's, it's quite nice. Um, but now, now we are doing much more work away. I don't know if you know this platform. And we, we do it because it's, it's just perfect. We find families. So where we can like help them and stay with them. So they have also kids. We always filter so that they have kind of the same age of our daughter so that she is like also enjoying the, the trip so that the travel is not just for us. <laughs> we love it. It's also, it's also for her to meet friends and now she's happy to have friends everywhere. So now we are doing much more work away and also to see different ways of living, different experiences. The last one we did, like um, my partner was focusing on building and we were doing some gardening with my daughter and it was just amazing to do this with her. So yeah, that's how we are doing it right now. That's awesome. Well, let's let's transition to work a little. I know you've hinted on a couple of different things. So it looked like in the beginning you went with no job, just savings. And then you yes. started teaching French, which I thought is interesting. You can teach um, you can teach two Chinese people, but you don't need to know how to speak Chinese. Is that right? Or do you have uh, or do you have to? Because like I have a friend that teaches English, but she doesn't know how to speak Chinese. And I was always amazed by that because I guess they just want you speaking English anyways. That's how people learn. If you speak Chinese, you'll probably spend most of your time teaching. I don't know what your experience was there. Yes, that's, uh, that's true for the teaching part. And especially like, it depends. I think each teacher has his own methods. It depends also if you're working for a company where they give you the guidelines or if you're working like me, I was working for a platform, which is called iTalkai, uh, where you just like you choose which kind of uh, classes you want to give. And I was really focusing on conversation. I wanted to, because that's why are you learning a language? It's to have a conversation. It's not just to be like uh, awesome at grammar and not being able to to speak a, f a sentence with someone. So I was really focusing on the conversation. And for that point, uh, I was using only French. Of course, sometimes you use uh, English if there is a grammatical point and they don't understand. It depends also which kind of level they have. When they are beginners, I had some, in fact, I had some Chinese students who contacted me because I was speaking Chinese and I could explain them the grammar and everything in Chinese, which was very interesting, by the way, <laughs> because it was a kind of a win-win. I was, I was paid to also work on, with my Chinese, which is like, which is okay for conversation, but it was also <laughs> kind of like very challenging for me at the same time. Oh, so, bet. but yeah, usually uh, I was using French. And so you're not teaching language anymore or are you still? And then what are other things that you're doing? I mean, and let's talk about really a little bit more about this uh, work away. I have not heard about it and I think people might be interested. No. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for the the first part of the question about the job, so I I just have one one student uh, still that I work with who is in the, in the US and I help him with French. It's once a week, so it doesn't take me uh, so much time, and I like him, so I just kept uh, this lesson with him. But for the other students, uh, I stopped. And the other things that I have here where we are right now, we are doing vacation rentals. So when we are not uh, in the property, we are renting it out. And also when we are there and someone is renting it, then we can go somewhere else and give us the opportunity to travel. So that's one source of income. Another thing that I uh, am doing is that I'm helping people who have vacation rentals and who want to be more like having more direct bookings with their own website instead of just focusing on Airbnb and booking.com. Then I help them with ranking on, uh, on Google, how to be able to use social media, Facebook, Pinterest, um, Instagram. So that's one other thing that I'm doing. And as I said, now I'm focusing, like my big focus right now is life coaching. So to help moms to to be living more their life purpose for some it means traveling like us but for some it just means being able to stay with their with their kids and know how to do this how to have the the courage to just quit their job and find another way to to be home with their kids so that's for for the jobs and and for the question of work away work away is a platform where people who have, like, who want to have someone to help them with a project, like post a profile. And also as a traveler, you can post your own profile, but usually like we have our profile, but we usually contact people who are looking for some people to help them. And it can be any kind of project. It can be like permaculture. It can be giving yoga classes, teaching languages, or just helping with the uh, like uh, house calls. Mm, it can be it can be anything or hostel like a lot of for young younger people. Uh, you can work in a hostel at the reception or something like this. And basically, the kind of what we could call a deal is that you work three, four, five hours a day. You have two days off, and the rest of the day and the days that you have off, you do whatever you want. And they give you a place to to stay and food in exchange of this. So it's kind of it's kind of very nice. And as a family, you have basically different filter. You can filter the kind of job that you want to do, uh, the place, and they are like all around the world. And yeah, as a family, you can uh, put people like filter by people who are hosting families and also who are families. So I always put those two filters to find, as I said, because for us, it's really, I mean, we could go on a vacation rental. It's not, it's not this, but we really want our daughter to, to be in an environment, familial environment where she, she has someone to play with as well. So it sounds like in a way, if I'm going to simplify it, it almost sounds like an exchange student program for adults in a way, but normally when exchange students come here, we don't put them to work during the, you know, for them to come and stay. We just provide a place to stay and food and they get to go to a local school. But that's really amazing too, because I think to your point earlier, instead of just being, let's say in an Airbnb, where it's just you and your family in an Airbnb in a different country, you're actually in 
a local's home learning mm-hmm. really about, you know, what's going on locally. You know, you're learning the cultures, you're learning just, you know, probably the places to go, what to do. And that sounds actually amazing. It, it does. It's a little bit like work camping, which we kind of talked about, but it actually really is just work camping in a way. You're there, you're putting in a couple hours a day and you get a place to stay, but in work camping, you don't get food. So that's even a, a bonus. And I bet the food's amazing in a lot of these places. So that's very cool. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's amazing. And in fact, uh, how I started using Workaway is that when I was traveling around the world and when I couldn't do hitchhiking anymore, so I was in Bolivia and I, I felt very sad that I didn't have this contact with local culture anymore. I was just feeling like a tourist, which is not what I like when I'm traveling. And that's how I started to to look for experiences in Peru. And that's what I did in Peru. I worked in a coffee plantation. I had like, it's crazy, but I had no idea that coffee was <laughs> coming from a tree before that. So it was a very interesting experience. Uh, and then I did this in Latvia. I was not vegan at that time. Now I'm vegan, but I worked in a goat farm, which was amazing. I came back twice to their place because it was really lovely people. And then I went in Ukraine. I did kind of a babysitting there with a local family as well. Uh, I did it in China with a uh, like kind of alternative school. And now we, we did it in Spain. And it just, and now we are looking for one experience the same in, in Brazil. We have families there, but we would also like to know like people who have traveled and to kind of, yeah, different, different people. So we are looking for something like this, like permaculture in brazil as well it's amazing for knowing the culture for me it's, before i was doing culture thing it was good but to do a few days you know you stay a few days so you don't really connect with the person but work away usually it's it, it's at least one week and usually it's more like one month or something like this so you really get to know the people and i don't know i like the community aspect of it yeah i could see how they would become like friends and family and i could exactly. see people putting themselves on a schedule where they would come back, you know, every year around the same time Mm -hmm. and be with their family and do the same job and then move on. It's really, I I like it. I didn't know about it. I think if, you know, I think if I was in my twenties and, you know, I wasn't publishing a magazine about like, you know, full-time life, I, I, you know, I don't know, maybe even at my age, I would be interested in looking into that and seeing that. Cause I just, I agree with you that when you go as a tourist, it's just different. You know, if I stay at a campground, it's a different experience than if I stay on someone's property and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the backyard with them and we're having a fire and they're telling me about the community. It's just different than a campground experience, I guess, is the way that I'll, I'll put the two together. Now, when you aren't traveling and you're not working, what do you like to do in regards to kind of exploring? That's one of the things we talk about. What are the things that you like to get out and do and see? Um, well, I, I love nature. So in fact, like every day I, I try to go to a new place or a place that I like around where I am. And this morning, for instance, we were uh, in the mountain just behind our flat and, and it's amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I, I love doing every day. And that's where like, I will like, uh, have my mind more quiet and, enjoy the time with, with my daughter. And we are lucky that here it's always, almost always uh, sunny. So take a lot of sun. 
So it's, uh, yeah, that's what we are doing. And especially with our daughter now, it's, it's a mess <laughs> to go out and being the, in the nature. No, that makes sense. Do you have a, uh, I know this is hard sometimes, but do you have a favorite place that you've stayed that you just see yourself wanting to go back year after year? Well, yeah, everyone is asking me this, uh, this question. So each time, because I have been to 60 countries, so it's kind of difficult to choose. Wait, hold on. Was, uh, that, was yeah. that 60 or 16? 60, six, zero. 60. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So this is a really hard question in a way. Um, but uh, usually I do it by continents and even by continent, it's kind of difficult. So in Africa, my two top ones are Morocco because I don't know, like the atmosphere there is amazing in Morocco, especially in Fez, uh, amazing city. And uh, the other one is Namibia for like for the nature. This is there. You just you you're in your car. It was my hitchhiking car, <laughs> uh, and you you see a zebra on the right. Oh, then you see a giraffe, and it's just normal. You know, it's not you're not in a natural reserve, not in a zoo. You're just there <laughs> in in the middle of Namibia. So this is like one place. But if I would go back, yeah, I would choose Morocco from one of those two. Morocco is somewhere, in fact, where we would like to go back, but right now it's closed. (laughs) We cannot enter. So when our dear friend COVID is out, we can come back. And then in South America, I love Argentina, but it's also the country I have uh, visited the most. But yeah, I, I like it because it's it's very diverse. You have mountains, you have deserts, you have the beach, you have cities, you have uh, lakes. It just it's super diverse and it's very and Argentinian people are very very nice. They speak a different Spanish, and I learned in <laughs> Spanish in Argentina, which was funny because it's not the same as uh, the other ones. They pronounce things differently. But they are like super nice and I love the way in fact they speak. And in Europe, Ukraine, which is for a lot of people like a country that they don't even know, but it's a country the same. It's very diverse and the people are amazing and the food is good. Again, I was not vegan at that time, so it might be more difficult because they love meat. Yeah, but it's very, very beautiful countries. The mountains are amazing. And in Asia... It's always, I love all the countries in Asia. I'm like a big Asian lover, but where we want to go back is Thailand. We love Thailand. And the same, if it was open, they say that they will open in January. We will be in Brazil, so we will not go there. But uh, like when we can go there again, we will go there. That's for sure. Thailand is amazing. Wow. I'm like literally almost with goosebumps and so jealous because... <laughs> It's just so different, you know, and you would think, honestly, I would think I would be talking to one of the most wealthiest women in the world to have, you know what I mean? To have these experiences. And I think people just don't realize that it really is obtainable. It's not, it doesn't have the boundaries or the limitations that you think it does to get out and live a life full of amazing memories and experiences. And I think it's really great to, you know, you're able to, you know, share your story and, you know, one of the things I like to do in the wrap up is I do this thing called a, a, a high and a low. And mm-hmm. what I want to say is, you know, before you started becoming a digital nomad in the time of you being a digital nomad, what's been something that's been a real low that maybe you didn't expect? What was something that just would, 
kind of get you down from time to time? Mm -hmm. So this was when I started uh, traveling long term. Uh, now I don't have it anymore, but a law was after kind of three months, you have this time where like you kind of, you feel everything's the same. You feel a bit tired and you don't feel motivated by traveling anymore. It happened to me twice, like once when I was not traveling um, that much, but during my travel around the world, it happened after three months. As I said, it's not happening anymore, but yeah, is that the moment where you feel like, yeah, I have seen everything. And in fact, you haven't, but you just need to, to rest a bit, stay in the same place. But I think it's because right now I was traveling alone. It was different. I was going more from one place to the other kind of quicker. So I kind of, I was maybe like making myself tired quicker. Now we are, like as I said, staring, staying minimum a week in a place. So even though every day we go exploring around that place, uh, we still stay in the same place. We don't have to pack every day. We don't have to be every day with our backpack. It's it's very different. So yeah, that was that was my law when I was traveling around the world alone. I, I was tired at some point. I was not feeling. I was not seeing why I was doing it anymore. But then. I continued <laughs> and in fact, it, it happened when at the end of Brazil, it also happened because the, I went from Namibia to Brazil and Namibia people were like, tourism is very important for them. Everyone was super nice with me. I was the only one traveling as I was doing, like, you know, usually everyone is renting a car, renting a jeep and I was hitchhiking. So I was the only white person traveling like this. And they were super nice. And then you arrive in Brazil, which is, I mean, my partner is from Brazil, but it's a very big country. It's people like don't, and they have a lot of tourists coming. So they don't really care. Like, okay, it's one tourist less, one tourist more. They, they don't really care about you. So that's why I was feeling low as well, because it was a big high in Namibia. Everyone was so generous, so nice. And then you arrive in Brazil and you're just one out of 1,000. So they don't care. I gotcha. But has there been a moment where, you know, in this lifestyle that you almost pinched yourself, like where you stopped and you said, I can't believe this is my life, you know, and just, you know, really kind of gratefully, you just didn't listen to your mom. You know, I think a lot of us have those, you know, <laughs> moments where we're so like, but do, can you remember a moment like that where you're just like, I can't believe this is my life? Uh, to be honest, every day, every day I'm grateful for this life, especially being a mom. I mean, it's, it's amazing to be able to be with my daughter every day and to, to be able to explore with her. And like, she's telling me, oh yeah, my cousins are here. And she has like friends everywhere that um, she meets and she's telling me, okay, like we will go to the mountains we'll go to this new country and for her it's amazing so yeah every day every day i'm so i'm so happy that i, I did this uh, eight years ago that i quit my job and that i went to travel around the world and then that i started working online and in fact it's funny because you say that i didn't listen to my mother which is true when i went to travel around the world but the one who told me at that time I was in China and she was thinking, okay, like Natasha, you need to make money because uh, for my mother, I need to be stable. 
Uh, and she told me, why are you not teaching online? And she's the one who helped me become even more a digital nomad. So it was like a good, good part as well of it. Now she still thinks that I need to be more stable and uh, have a, a normal life. But uh, she still doesn't understand my kind of lifestyle. But uh, she was the one who told me to work online at first. So That's very funny. So I'm, I'm grateful every day. And as you said, like... I, I love the way you said it about like you, you think that you're talking to the like wealthiest person in, in the world. And I'm doing like, I'm sharing my story to show that it's possible for everyone. I like, it's crazy that some people think, no, I have to wait for retirement. I cannot do it because my kids are too young. My kids are too old. Like we started traveling. My daughter was three months old. Uh, you can you can always do it. You just if it's your dream. I don't say that you have to do it if it's not your dream. But if it's your dream, then like just do it. There is no nothing stopping you. Yeah, and I think that's part of this podcast. Is you know I'll use the example of like the four minute mile that mm-hmm. it doesn't get broken. But as soon as it gets broken, the next month it gets broken again, and the next month it gets broken by like three or four people, and then five people, and then ten and a hundred. It's like people need to see that someone else can do it. To believe they can do it. And um, you also reminded me of a story I know I've never shared on this podcast is um, I was probably maybe two or three. I was in Germany with my parents and they were going to the Anne Frank Museum. And they were telling me this story about this little girl and how she hid. And, and, you know, I'm just a small child, so I probably am not really comprehending the significance of it. And we get to the museum I break away from my mom and dad yelling and, and I want to find you. Like I'm screaming this in this museum, like looking behind like cabinets. My parents must've just been horrified. They, they still talk about it. I don't think they're allowed back in Germany because of what I did as a three-year-old, but it's so true. Well, I want people to be able to uh, find you. I, I know you have a bunch of different ways where they can kind of locate you. You know, folks, again, you don't have to write it down. I'm going to link it all in the show after she lets you know, but let people know where they can uh, find you, see your adventures, uh, maybe ask questions if they want to. Where can people connect with you? Um, well, either on Facebook, like to send me a message is the best way. So they can find me, Natasha Palm, but I'm sure you will put the link. And also on YouTube, I put some uh, videos as well. It's called Other Ways of Living Abundant Travel Family. Oh, family travel, I don't remember. Uh, and yeah, like just follow the, the links that you will put and I will be happy to help and advise anyone who wants to do something similar. Awesome. Well, Natasha, I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation and share your story. And I really do hope it not only inspires anyone, but there is part of inspiring any just women that are thinking they can't do this alone. I I just love that you came on the show to talk about it and, you know, just share all your kind of success. And, you know, I think about all the excuses too. I am a woman. I can't do alone. If I go, I won't find someone. Uh, If I go, I won't be having kids like, and all this stuff that you've completely crushed, which is really amazing too, that I hear like stories of. So it's been awesome to get to know you and hear your story. It was awesome as well. And I'm a life coach and I'm helping people like to crush their mindset block. So I think it's it's the perfect end for this show. (laughs) Amazing. Definitely. Thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) Thank you as well. Bye-bye. Well, another fun episode. And again, a big thank you to Natasha. I talked to Natasha ahead of time and made sure that I could 
you know, talk about the fact that, you know, she has an accent and I don't want people to be discouraged because I think there's something amazing about her story. And I think it will really spark a lot of interest from a lot of people to kind of go and explore overseas and do these different types of traveling and in countries that aren't theirs. And I think it's really important. I think she's removed a lot of the obstacles that people would, you know, focus on parents that don't want you to do it. Uh, being a single woman traveling alone, all these different things. And uh, she's made a life out of it. And you can hear it in her that she's just so happy that she made those choices. And again, feel free to head over to her Facebook page or YouTube channel. Those are linked down below and you can follow those adventures yourself. And again, feel free to head over to her Facebook page or YouTube channel. That way you can follow her adventures and reach out to her and contact her if you would like to. And another friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help. Hey, look, and two, if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll share it as well. You know, you share it and we'll share that you shared it. And that way it gets really overshared. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.